0: Hello and welcome to the One Football podcast. We are back with the Euro 2020 podcast, the group stage is officially done and dusted with some thrilling games so far as Cristiano Ronaldo continues to break records, Germany leave their fans on the edge of their seats and the Netherlands have managed to silence a critic or two as 16 teams progress into the next round of the competition and today I am joined by some wonderful guests in Antonia Hennigs, how are things? I'm good, thanks for having me. (laughs) No worries and we have got Joel Sanderson-Murray with us, how is life Joel?
1: Yeah, all good. Thanks, Ange. Yeah, just enjoying all the football. Good,
0: right? Well, we'll kick things off with Group A as Italy, of course, faced Wales. Heading into this game, Italy only needed a draw against uh, a draw against Wales, having already qualified. They made eight changes to the side who beat Switzerland and still, of course, got the victory. Joel, does this just show what a talented squad Roberto Mancini has?
1: Yeah, I think it does. Um, you know, especially when you look at the midfield at the half, because. You know, Nicola Barella and Manuel Locatelli have been, you know, two of the best performances probably in the whole tournament in the first two games. And then, you you, know, you switch them both out and they bring in Marco Verratti, which you know, we we'll talk about later on. But also, and uh, they bring in Pessina from Atalanta, and, and both of you them, know, you know, provide the goal. Um, and it's yeah, it just shows that got the real quality there. And then I think w- what happens now is that mancini has got a bit of a decision to make when it comes to you know the last sixteen game because you know he's, he's had players that have come in and really performed for him and. And, you know, he's got to go and tell, you know, these guys, you know, you're out again because, you know, the big boys are coming back in. So, it's a, it's a tough one. And I, I'm interested to see what he does at, at right wing because, you know, he's had Barardi there for the first two games. He's just, you know, done himself, you know, no harm at all. And then he brings in uh, Federico Chiesa for the, the Wales game. And, and I think he performed really well. And I think he actually got the official man of the match, star of the match. So, yeah, it's... It's looking really good for us actually, isn't it? I know a lot of people consider them, you know, possibly even favourites now, and I can completely see why. Perform really well.
0: They really have, and I would hate to be um I'd hate to be in one of those conversations where managers say kind of like, Yeah, you're you're out, you're not playing, you played well, but not well enough. I would just oh <laughs> must be such a hard job. I mean, like Joel touched on we saw the return of Marco Verratti after recovering from an injury. He had a great game, especially with that perfectly work free kick. Antonio, could he be one of Italy's most important players if he continues like
2: this? Yeah, definitely. I think he's uh, one of those players who's constantly a bit underrated for any reason, I think, at Paris Saint-Germain, as well as in the Italy squad. But he's uh, such an important leader and gives every team a kind of structure. So, um, yeah, maybe it's perfect for him that he uh, missed the first two games um, and now can help at- Italy in the best and the fittest way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's uh, it's done him too much harm coming in a little bit later. Um, you know, looking at Wales, Joel, um, they started well, um, but Italy eventually just began to dictate play, really. All things considered, especially with the managerial issues right before the tournament began, etc., what do you make of Wales so far?
1: They've done really well, and and then maybe in a, in a different kind of way to the way they did it in the twenty sixteen, when they do get to the semi finals, but they do that by being, you know, by hanging on in games and, and being quite defensive, and and then trying to hit teams on the counter. Second, they are doing that to an extent now, but it's a bit more progressive than that because they have got better attacking players, and and still got you know Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey in the squad, and and I think they are sort of testament to teams that, that maybe they you know not to be disrespectful, for to, to smaller nations that don't have a bigger pool, national pool of players, but do have, you know, one or two star players as well. So they you know, you do have sort of, you know, Gareth Bale in there. And if you always manage to remain in games, you have got Bale or Ramsey or both of them that can produce a moment of magic to 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 win you the game. And and um, that seems to be the game plan, but they, they are sort of, uh, the Turkey game, they, they were incredible and they create a lot of chances and probably should have won more than 2-0, to be honest. That was more of a 3 or 4-0 type of game. And I think the Wales fans should be confident going forward into the last 16, because okay, they've got Denmark, and I guess they're going to be everyone's enemy because everyone wants Denmark to do really well because of what's happened to them. But Wales have got a hell of a chance to get to get further and possibly even surpass what they did, you know, sort of level what they did in, in Euro 2016 and, and get to the semi-finals, because they are on that sort of that side of the draw where, you know, maybe no one's expecting Wales to win, but then you're hanging in the game and Bell and Ramsey can produce a moment of magic and they can win a game, one or 2 nil, easy. I
0: agree. I think they do have a really good chance. And like you say, it's an awkward one because if, if they do win, it's going to be a lot of people throwing a lot of shade at them. Um, <laughs> I mean, talking about Wales, um, Ethan Amperdy was shown a red card. Antonio, should it have been a yellow or was the referee right with that one?
2: Uh, well, I think it was one of those cards where uh, if the referee showed him a yellow card, everyone would have been like, oh, this could have been easily red as well. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, to be honest, I, I understood the referee. Um, he did not do it on purpose at all, but it was a really bad foul then for me. It was a red card.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, he's younger than... If anything, you've got to kind of take it as one of those lessons that you learn in football. Um, yes. And yeah. Definitely. I mean... Joel, for Italy, it's, you know, just 30 games unbeaten, nothing too crazy. (laughs) Three wins from three. They haven't conceded a goal. Are people right to be getting so hyped about Italy? Or should we hold judgment until we see them against a team that's maybe more of an upgrade when it comes to quality? No disrespect to the teams that they've already played, of course.
1: It's, it's a strange one because for some reason, it seems to be an unwritten rule at every tournament that a team that does really well in the group stage or really impresses in week one or two doesn't really go on to win the tournament. They'll end up crashing out in the last 16 quarter finals. and quarterfinals. I'm not quite sure what the science is behind that, but it just seems to be that that's the thing that happens. And it's are definitely that team, a whole mantle of that team now for Euro 2020, but I, I don't know. I, I, I they are going to get tested because if if they get, as they imagine, make it into the final, they're going to have to you know, get past you know the likes of P- possibly Belgium, Portugal, or France uh, on that side of the draw. So we, we are going to see how good they really are, but. I think that everyone's right to sort of be confident about them and, and to be given the credit that they deserve because you know, Mancini's come in and done an incredible job and one of only, I think, eight or nine teams that is in history, in actual history, that won every group game um, in, in qualifying. So, you know, the, I think they're the real business and, and I, I don't think... It'll be, I think it would be unfair to be honest. So they end up going out in the quarterfinals and and they lose a you know an, an even game and some everyone calls them frauds, which seems to be the way to do when teams lose nowadays. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think they're a very good team and deserve credit. And we'll see how far they can go. And you know if I was putting my hat on, anything or better betting my house on anything. I, I think they we would see them in the final. To be honest, going off what we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I am well and truly on the Italy hype train, um, driving it whatever direction it needs to go. Um, I mean, Antonio, are there any concerns over Italy when they face Austria in the next round?
2: Uh, To be honest, no. No, not at all. Um, I mean, what Joel said is right, like with the teams that are very good at the beginning of a tournament, you never know. But um, for me, it just when you look at italy it just seems so easy they play like there's mm. it's just yeah they do it because they can do it and it there's not a problem and um austria doesn't have a bad team of course too but you can't really compare the quality with the italy squad but, yeah it, for germany or in germany it always seems like um you know like austria and switzerland the teams are better than they actually are because all the Bundesliga players are in it and you just know everyone but um yeah i don't think that austria does have a chance in this game um uh, italy's just in such a good flow where everything works <laughs> yeah i mean
0: I, I would i would tend to agree with you uh, with that one um i mean looking at the other game switzerland managed a 3-1 win over turkey um Jordan Shakiri is the first ever Swiss player to score in four consecutive major tournaments. Despite, you know, the great performance, Joel, um, he's he's faced criticism at Liverpool, but, you know, they should still be selling him, right? Or are you reconsidering?
1: (laughs) I, I... I don't think Liverpool should be selling them, but I think I am in a a minority on that. To be honest, because I I think, especially with the context of transfer window and the way it is this summer, and I don't think a lot of business will get done. But. Actually, talking about Shakiri, he's a player that can produce moments of magic out and of nothing. And, you know, he, he comes on in 2019 off the bench to, to score two goals, beat Manchester United 3 1 at Anfield, which was a lovely reminder for everyone. I, I don't need reminding um, about that. Thank you very much. Keep <laughs> the, it moving. That was great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's one of them that he's, he's more individual magic than he is a team player, but he's a perfect player to bring off the bench. And okay, he might want to leave himself because it might get to the stage of his career where. He wants to be playing regular football. I don't think he's necessarily going to get that at Anfield, but um, he's just well, one. he just loves international tournaments, does he? And, and loves scoring really good goals at in international tournaments. Um, there was no red kick at the last Euros, and then you know he, he seems to realise he can work out how to use his right foot in the game against <laughs> uh, Turkey. So yeah, I, I, I love Diksha. He's great
0: um I, I mean yeah I, I would uh I'd find it maybe uh I don't know pretty frustrating um as a Liverpool fan when you see how brilliant he is but I guess you know at times he's created some great moments for you guys as well um I mean Switzerland are going to of course face France in the next round um Joel do you have any words of wisdom for um Shakiri as uh as they face the world champions any words of
1: wisdom for him? Bear. no but good luck all <laughs> might not work out well let's see
0: yeah I mean it it is going to be tough um, I mean heading over to group B now um, Denmark have made history they are the first team in European Championship history to reach the knockout stages of a competition having lost their first two group stage games Antonia it's safe to say as we've touched on everyone was rooting for them to progress really weren't they <laughs>
2: Yeah, no doubt. For me, uh, I was nearly as nervous as during Germany games, I have to say. I was uh, surprised by myself, but it was just so emotional. And um, I just I just wish the whole team that they will have their moment after what happened and after the two uh, losses. And, um, well, they certainly did. <laughs> so it was an amazing game. And I, I don't know, I think everyone except from people from Russia were happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely um michael put denmark ahead shortly before the interval and he became the country's youngest ever goal scorer at a major tournament Um with the forward also the first player born in the 2000s to score in the european championship firstly joel how old does that make you feel um, and do you think this <laughs> tournament could be the making of the player
1: I don't need anything else to make me realise how old I am. Uh, I struggle to get out of bed. That's all I need. Um, I think with Dan Scott, it's... It's a tricky one with the tournament players because th- there have been so many examples in the past of players who have a very good Euros, Copa America, or World Cup and then get big moves off the back of it. And you know they've, they've only only seen to have performed consistently over five games or you know produce little moments here and there. And um, Liverpool did that well, how for Senegal in two thousand and two? Um, there's been plenty more examples than that, and but I, I, I don't think that necessarily is going to be the case with Dan Scott. I think he's someone who's been you know, sort of impressing every now and again with you know uh, in Serie A and then and, and doing the business there. And uh, he looks like he's got a high ceiling and he's got potential. And I think he's he's one of them. He's he's quite an exciting player because he's he's someone that is very direct. And he gets the ball and, and, and you know that he's he's going to try and either cut inside or go on the outside and, and, and try and beat his marker and, and those kind of plays. You know. I, Always seem to get moves and always seem to, you know, be players that you know teams want to buy and and, and I I think it could be the making of him. He's he's had one big moment already and you know you know Wales Denmark would be a tough game as we'll go on to say. But um, if someone's going to sort of light it up and, and produce the moment that could win it, I think he'd be the one I'd be looking at.
0: Yeah, I I would tend to agree with you on that one. I mean, like you say, Denmark are going to be facing Wales in the next round. Um, we've already touched on it a little bit, but. Um, Antonia, how do you see this one playing out? It's a it's a tough one because, like you say, everyone's second team at the minute does seem to be Denmark.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, that's actually a really good question. It's going to be an exciting uh, game because, well, actually nobody expected this game with those teams. And, uh, yeah, then the story with Denmark, um, I don't know. I I kind of think that Denmark is in such an extraordinary mental stage like you would have not expected and the reasons are of course dramatic but um I think they play much better than usual because of this right now and um I don't know how great of a story it would be if they make it far in the tournament so yeah I actually see Denmark winning just just because of the motivation Mm.
0: yeah I, I get I get what you mean there definitely um I mean, looking at another team in this group, Belgium, um, they of course topped the group with a 2 0 win over Finland. Um, it's the first time that they've won all their group fixtures at a single European Championship tournament. Joel, is this their year?
1: It's it's really tough because they're now on, on the really tough side of the draw where, you know, for one, they've got the, the tastiest tie, the tastiest round of 16 tie with for Portugal and, and will probably have to get past, you know, France or Italy to, to get to the final and and, and it's I mean, if they end up doing that, then, you know, fair play to them and, and I think, you know, that's when you consider them to be the real thing. Um I'm I'm not too sure. and I, I they've been really impressive so far. They've done nothing wrong, to be honest. Um but it's, it's just whether they've got enough in the tank to keep going. Uh, I think the one thing they can hang their hat on is the form of Romelu Lukaku, who just seems to be motivated by anything. Anything's had an <laughs> incredible season of, at Inter, and he's coming to this, and I think every game he's just thought, uh, he's the most complete striker in the world right now. He's, you know, you, you try and sort of out muscle him, and you're he, just You'll box it you off, you know. You try and win a foot race of him, and, and you've got no chance, sorry. Um, and if he's, he gets a chance to get on his left foot, um, he's probably going to take it. And, and I think that that's one in the back of my mind. We're thinking, okay, Belgium could not go going further than the last six years and possibly the semis um, if Lecarque managed to maintain his form. Uh, so that's one then, but I'm not too sure. I, I can't see them winning it right now, uh, right here, right now, kind of thing, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think there's a lot weighing on Lukaku and his form. Not that I think he can't do it, um, but I think it's it, it's a lot of pressure for one player, I guess. Not that they don't have other good players, but you know he is um, pretty much the shining star, I guess. Um, heading over to Group C now and having a look, it was a great night um, for the Netherlands. They have won all three of their group fixtures um, after that 3-0 win over North Macedonia it was goran pandev's final international lap for north macedonia he left the pitch with tears in his eyes as he retired his teammates surrounded him to thank their greatest ever player it was pretty emotional wasn't it antonia
2: oh yes yes it was definitely um and it wasn't only his teammates it was like a lot of players from the netherlands as well and they applauded him and you know all the fans of course who were just so thankful to be part of the Euros and um, to have a player like him and their team. And yeah, it's I think it's really one of the moments so far you will definitely remember from the tournament. <laughs> 100%. Um, I mean, looking at
0: the Netherlands, um, you know, a, a great win for them. Joel, does their manager deserve an apology, do you think? Because he's come under a
1: lot of criticism. <laughs> He, he has. And, should we
0: and, all be writing handwritten
1: apologies? I'm certainly not going to get my pen off. No, so I mean, Jose Mourinho maybe should you know, give him a text because he called him the worst manager in Premier League history. But, uh, I mean, that was probably fair. It was four games, no goals. Um, he, yeah, he's... It, they're surprising, and aren't they? Because um, if I, you know, if one of the, the big nations were going to go out in the tournaments at a group stage, you know, I think a lot of people have said Netherlands will end up messing up somehow. But they've been great. I mean, they've been set up really well. Um, Technically, they've looked great, and they've been, been really fun to watch. I mean, I think the first couple of games, and, and partly, actually even the North Macedonia game, those teams did create a lot of chances against them. I do wonder if you know a better team has that moment and that has the chances um, that, you know, Macedonia, Austria and uh, Ukraine create against them, they might take them uh, and that could be, you know, spell trouble for the Netherlands but, you know, up until now they've they've been great, really good to watch and create a lot of chances and, you know, it it all all seems to be working but even the sort of the Netherlands fans don't seem to be taken to the board quite well because there's been a lot of things, it seems to, um, hire an aeroplane and go over the training ground in yeah. every game. Uh, the first one was you know, getting to play 4-3-3 three, three, and the, the second was trying to be a bit more attack and uh, I'm not sure what the message is going to be before <laughs> the uh, Czech Republic game but yeah, he's somehow managed to do well so far so deserves a bit of credit but yeah, I'm not going to be saying sorry just yet and I don't think anyone else should be just now.
0: Fair enough, I mean I guess it depends I mean are they going to start going for like their fashion choices, hairstyles not just how they're playing on the pitch are they going to be picking at every single thing I'm very intrigued to see what happens really with that Um, I mean Frank de has said that we're yet to see the best of this side Um, Antonia for you, are they a potential Euro 2020 winning side?
2: Well I have to say yes um, I, and I don't want to brag but I said that even before the tournament <laughs> at least in my uh, in my betting game with friends I chose them as one of the semi-finalists so um, I'm really happy to see how they play <laughs> and I see a lot of potential of course and you know I would I would love them to
0: when I think it's a great team so let's see There is nothing better than being vindicated with things like that, honestly. So I've got my fingers crossed just for you so you can continue to rub it in. Um, Of course, Jorginho Wijnaldum was brilliant again, Joel. Um, How much... I don't want to upset you by this question, but how much are you going to miss him at Liverpool? And are you expecting big things from him at PSG or are you going to be uh, boycotting PSG games from now on out of uh, upset?
1: Yeah, it hates Angelina, and it really does. Been listening to a lot of Adele and Lord albums over Can the past imagine. couple of weeks after seeing him flourish. Because the last thing we all want to see is seeing X flourish, is it? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it's he's he's great. I mean, the thing that what's great about Wine is that you know at Liverpool you played a completely different role to the role he plays at Netherlands. Uh, for and Netherlands should I say. You know at Liverpool, he's a lot, you know someone who you know retains the ball, wins the ball back, and and gets the, the play moving. Whoever's for the Netherlands, he's someone who's very get, you know arrives late in the box and scores a lot of goals, and you now have taken Marco van Basten for goals in, in the history of the Netherlands, which is some some feat to be honest. And that shows the the intelligence and and the the ability of the guy, um, and he's brilliant. He's been one of the players of the tournament so far, and. And that is one of them that, you know, if Nevelin's going to keep on going further, him and Memphis Depay seem to have a real connection. And, and that is something that can, like with, with Bale and Ramsey at Wales, it's, if you have those two players and your team is set up well everywhere else and those two players can win the game for you, that, that gives you a chance in the tournaments. And Wijnaldum's definitely doing that. And it's, it's weird they can end up winning the Golden Boots. He's definitely in the running for it. Um, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with PSG. I don't want to think about it. It just makes me sad.
0: Yeah, don't think about it. You're not going to have to see him uh, putting on that PSG shirt for at least a few more weeks. You're all right for now. Um, Of course, the Netherlands will be facing the Czech Republic in the next round. um, Kind of similar like when we were talking about Italy, but um, Antonio, are you uh, concerned
2: about the Netherlands going into this game at all? Well, of course, everything can happen, but... um... I'm not that concerned. Uh, The Czech Republic plays fine, but not amazing, I would say. And if nothing really weird happens uh, and the the Netherlands uh, plays like they did in the last game, um, it shouldn't be a big problem for them. Um, Of course, only if Sheik doesn't score like he did against Scotland again. (laughs) But but yeah, I think they will have not the biggest problems with uh, the Czech Republic.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Um, Looking at the the other teams in the group, Austria managed a 1-0 win over the Ukraine. They've reached the knockout stage of the Euros for the first time in their history. A lot of history being made. Um, (laughs) Now, I don't want to be too shady, but could you argue that apart from the Netherlands, they've had a pretty easy group, Joel? Um,
1: I mean, you do have North Macedonia in in there, which, you know, I guess are the outright right minnows of the tournaments, if you want to call them that, um, uh, possibly. I mean, it. I think Australia and Ukraine are very similar in terms of you know, sort of what they would be going into a tournament expecting. You know, if you get to the last sixteen, they've done really well, and they get any further than that, it's an absolute bonus. And so it's quite possibly you could say that, but I think there's always going to be. You know, Netherlands should have been going into the tournament expecting to be top and then Austria and Ukraine fighting out for the second and third place. That, and that's how it's played out. And I think, if anything, it's all just gone to type so far rather than anything being that, that groundbreaking. But, and I, 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 no, I, I, Austria and Ukraine are, are very good teams, just just not up to the level of doing the better teams in the tournaments, which is absolutely fine.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Austria only found the back of the net once, Um You know, Christoph Baumgartner became the youngest player to ever score for the nation at the European Championships, another one to make us all feel nice and old, aged 21 years, 324 days. Um, Marco Anotovich could have done better with his shot just before half-time, but looking at Austria going into this Italy game, Antonio, is there kind of one player maybe in particular that you're looking at thinking, listen, it's... I'm looking at you to kind of make something happen in this Italy game to give Austria a bit of a fighting chance perhaps is there any one player that you look at and think that
2: well uh, if I had to choose I would say it could be Sasha uh the young striker from Stuttgart who played an amazing season and who is just amazing to watch every single game um, he's very young as well and he probably needed some time to get into the tournament. Um, mm. And he didn't play from the beginning against the Netherlands and the Ukraine, I think. But um, yeah, you should keep an eye on him. I don't know if he can really make a difference against a team like Italy if they keep playing like they did. But um, yeah, they should not underrate him. He he did some amazing stuff in the Bundesliga. Yeah. So he can probably do it uh, in the Euros as well.
0: Well, f- fingers crossed for the Austria fans that he at least brings... <laughs> You know, so some good, some good football to the game, even if they're probably going to lose it. Anyway, um, the Ukraine, meanwhile, have failed to keep a clean sheet in any of their nine games at European Championships. Joel, are you worried about them against Sweden?
1: It's one, it's one, it's going to be one of those games which I think is going to be incredibly tight, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's just decided by one goal. Um, especially because Sweden usually uh, didn't really show it in the Poland game, but they usually set up quite well and very disciplined and really hard to break down and, and, and bank on winning games on, on the break. And when they got, you know, Isaac up front, that's exactly how they can do it. And uh Forsberg's ML Forsberg's had a really good tournament so far too. And um so yeah, I, I I'd be really confident if I was a Swedish fan going into this game. Uh, Ukraine have played really good football so far, so they've obviously got a chance to get through. But, you know, if if they, if they don't end up taking any chances, they'll create enough chances and Sweden can can blunt them. I can see them getting hit on the counter attack. So um, yeah, it's it's it would be an interesting game to watch. It's the one that rounds off the whole of the round of the sixteen, and it's obviously not going to be the biggest one, but I think tactically and, and and in terms of how compact and tight it will be, I think it could be an interesting one to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it definitely will be an interesting one, um, and I'm I'm not too sure if I can a hundred percent call it just yet. Um, But yeah, let's take a look at Group D because it was all happening. Um, Maybe I'm a bit biased on that, but it was all happening. We'll get to the other groups where it was happening even more. But at the time, it really was all happening. Um, England finished at the top of the group and will be facing Germany, which again, we'll talk about um, in a minute. But first up, Ben Chilwell and Mason Mount must isolate Um, up to and including Monday the 28th of June after coming into contact with Scotland's Billy Gilmore, who of course did test positive. Antonia, does this make any sense to you? Because it really doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) I feel Um, like this is an attack on England. And even though the Public Health England have issued this, I'm still taking it as a personal attack. And I, I don't understand
2: at all, do you? No, I totally understand you in uh, this case. I, I, it makes no sense. If it would, it would have made sense if uh, you know, like some Scottish player or players, or even the Scottish team would have uh, had to isolate too. But um, no, it makes no sense to be honest. And well, the sad thing is that it's not the first thing around. You know, like quarantine, isolation, corona cases in the last year more than a year that doesn't make sense
0: (laughs) yeah uh, we could be here all day talking about that couldn't we Um,
2: I mean talking about
0: England and there were there were cries chance for Jack Grealish um to be more involved and to start the game which he did um interestingly he now has as many Euro assists as Zinedine Zidane apparently um he had a great game um Joel, do you think he has maybe proven the fans' point on the pitch that we need Jack Grealish?
1: I mean, he certainly did all he could possibly do in the game you can check the public. Um, provided the assist to win the game, and um, you know, it was is really good. I think he was he was involved in the game pretty much all the first half, second half. He kind of filtered out, but i I'm, I'm not quite sure if he has done enough to sort of, you know to start the, the last 16 games against Germany. I mean, it's mm. it's one of them um, where you imagine Gareth Southgate would go back to maybe a back three and be a bit more conservative. And this way, he might bring in uh, a lot more players who want to press a bit more and, uh, and do a lot more of the defensive work. And if we let him believe some reports come from the Athletic, um, he doesn't quite trust Grealish to, to do that side of the game yet. And, and I guess that's not Grealish's forte, to be honest. So... Um, he's Grealish did a really good job against public and and is one of those plays that really excites you every time he touches the ball but I'm not quite sure he's gonna start the next game and I think and go out. you know it's bye bye jack as well uh, sorry but um i he's again he's just not a bad player to being off the bench is he um you've got him and James Sancho it, I mean to be honest, the, the noise should be, I don't understand how James Sancho is not started the game mm. as only played 10 minutes. I mean, I, I know there's been a bit more of a, a noise about that last couple of days, but um, that's a bit more shocking to me than Jack Beavish not getting the game. But uh, hey-ho, it's, I'm, not, I'm not the England manager, am I?
0: If only you were the England manager, Joel. <laughs> you would be rocking a waistcoat. And bringing it all, wouldn't you? I mean, I can't,
1: I can't pull off a waistcoat, to be fair. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. Joel for England manager. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, England fans are, of course, not happy because when are England fans happy? Let's be honest. <laughs> You know, a lot of fans are feeling like we should have seen more goals. There has also been a lot of complaints about Jaden Sancho, which is what I will definitely, I agree with you on that one, uh, Joel. You know, how he's not played more, it really does not make sense. Um But yeah, England fans, they want to see more goals. They want more exciting football from England, which I would tend to agree with because it's not fun. You know, I'd rather watch, you know, a wall dry that's been painted or something you know I'd if we're being completely honest there have been some moments where you could have potentially nodded off um but should England fans simply be grateful that for what feels like the first time in a long time there's not been any major dramas you know England have progressed without any major issues should they just be happy about that or as we saw you know England didn't really accumulate expected goals in the second half it wasn't great so in that sense Antonia do you fans kind of have a point or is it kind of just like shut up and be grateful kind of thing
2: <laughs> well both of it you know like out of the fan perspective I, I I see their point you know you want it's 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 about entertainment as well <laughs> you want to at least see your team try to score uh it's still football it's about scoring (laughs) um but yeah probably of course the fans can be happy with the uh, with the outcome of the group and um i guess you guys hope that the they will kind of change the play uh the way they are playing uh in the next games but um also now that they face germany (laughs) (laughs) I, i i kind of hope uh they won't, yeah, you know, like put Jamie Sancho in and
0: No, it can it can stay the same for me. And you know what? Knowing Gareth Southgate, it really would not surprise me if things did actually stay the same. <laughs> um, I mean, there was a lot of talk about Bukayo Saka kind of versus Phil Foden, um, looking at you know the young talent that England that England have and the impact that they've made, etc. Joel. Do you think it's safe to say that maybe the difference between Saka and Foden is that Saka actually has taken his chance and ran with it a lot more than Foden perhaps has done?
1: Yeah, I think it's completely fair to say. Um, And it's really harsh because, you know, you're only getting 90 minutes, 180 minutes, which Foden has had. And then Saka comes on for 90 minutes and and, plays the full game against, pretty much a full game against the Czechs. And and, and takes his chance, and it's it's really difficult because obviously Phil Foden's a quality footballer, and and you know shouldn't be dismissed or anything. But Saka's come on and done more in that game than Foden did in the first two games, and if it is a battle between those two uh, for that that position uh, coming in off the right, then I, I guess Saka at the moment deserves to have the share, it. and it's it's just one of them. It doesn't make Foden a bad player, and Foden should then. Know, use that as motivation to come on and you know off the bench and, and try and do his business. And I guess it's just where you know Southgate has has that has you know Nelly and Kelly down because he's got a lot of really good cool <laughs> players and he can't fit them all into you know the team. And this is why Sancho's maybe not played. And you, you are forgetting you know that that you know then there's going to be one of Foden, Grealish, Saka maybe on the bench as well. So it's a, a tricky one. But you know right here right now Saka's from the business and. Is very exciting, very direct, and, and you know, helped contribute to the goal um, against the Czech Republic as well. So, I, yeah, for me, I think Sack deserves to so have to share it against Germany. I mean,
0: all I could think about then was England players starring in a Nelly and Kelly Rowland Dilemma <laughs> remake music video, <laughs> um, which needs Get to happen. On Microsoft Excel, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, and Antonia, you know, your uh, you know, bias kind of aside and everything, um, Saka <laughs> or Foden, which one starts in the next game for you? Or maybe you just prefer
2: neither of them to start and us to start with maybe eight men <laughs> instead or something? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. Um, after the last game, it would be Saka for me too. He was just amazing. He was fun to watch and he played very well. And you know, it's as simple as it is. I think if you take your chances like this, you should get a reward and play the next game as well. I definitely agree. I think,
0: um, you know, in in big moments and big tournaments like this, and it, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but some people really can step up to the plate. And I think if that's a quality that Saka seemingly has, then he should definitely, mm-hmm. you know, kind of get the rewards from that. Um I mean, another player that seems to be stepping up to the plate is Raheem Sterling. Um, Another goal for England, um, another goal like there's been loads. Um, His season with Manchester City, you know, it maybe wasn't his finest. There have been rumours that his name is potentially being involved in alleged swap deals that could be in the works, etc. Obviously, nothing uh, confirmed at all. But um, Joel, what do you think the issue is with the Blues? Because, you know, he's, he's clearly, you know, talented.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I'm not quite sure even Man City found to be able to answer that. To be yeah. honest, because they've had a great season and, and he's still you know been involved, but he's just not you know produced the numbers that he has done in, in recent years. And you know, I I don't think he's been carrying an injury because he's 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 looked sharp for England. And it's it's just one. It's a it's a really weird one with Raheem Sterling because you know personally, I'm not quite sure he's. Ever going to be sort of that world class, you mm. know, Neymar, Messi, Lewandowski, Ronaldo bracket. Um, because I, I think his movements great, and I think you know he's one of them again that can excite people when he gets on the ball. But I'm just not quite sure he's you know the best finisher in the world. And then he scored two goals, but he does seem to sometimes have a weird technique where he misses the chances quite a lot. Um, but you know talking about sort of his, his England form and what he's done so far he he has been great and and of course to say it's continued to start because he's he's made a difference so far and i think he is motivated by the fact that he's he's back at wembley which is where he grew up and um and that it's you know that's a lovely story but yeah it's it's a weird one with, with Raheem. and but right, you know right now you know if england get any further, he's, he's going to be the one who's been the most exciting player for him so far which is a strange thing to say because in the season he's had
0: Yeah, definitely. I I agree. I mean, yeah, I I agree with everything that you've said there. Now, England will face Germany, as we know. Um, Now, Antonia, some people have criticised Germany's form and the manager, you know, in the group stage. It's been a little bit chaotic, perhaps, when you compare it (laughs) to England's boring situation that they've kind of been in um but of course you can argue that Germany's faced no disrespect to group d group d but you know Germany did face much much tougher opponents Antonia do you think it's fair to be criticizing their form
2: yes yeah (laughs) it is fair (laughs) of course the opponents were tough and uh now everything went well at the end but there are definitely things you have to criticize and I think that's good and that's normal um the offense against France was awful uh the first half against Hungary yesterday was not fun at all mm. <laughs> and uh yeah you just have to say it it was so close Germ- Germany could have been uh, fourth of the group very easily um but yeah maybe maybe it's good for them like when you look at a tournament that they had to face those opponents like at the very beginning and not like Italy or the Netherlands or whatever had like a kind of easy group. Um, maybe it's 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 better at the end. But yeah, there has to be criticism as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's a good point
0: because if you've managed to get through such a testing situation like that, not that it's all gonna be kind of downhill from there because it's not, but yeah. I guess it gives you kind of a good mentality going into the rest of it and that you've already kind of faced big teams, definitely. Yeah. Um I mean, Joel, how are you feeling about this uh, England-Germany fixture? Are you feeling confident? Scared? Concerned?
1: Um, I've got no emotive feelings because I'm not an England supporter and and that might get me some abuse on Twitter because people like to react to that. But um, Mm. I don't consider myself a fan of England in any way, but in terms of sort of, that allows me to look at it quite impartial and and professionally, I guess. So I would say that I... (laughs) I can't ever imagine a situation where England beats Germany in the tournaments. It just it, it, that just, it just seems mean. mad to me. Yeah. <laughs> <With> the <laughs> idea of it, it, just it seems to have this mental block on them. And and Germany, you know, usually are very good at, you know, not playing to, to the emotions of it and, and just getting the job done. But saying that Going off what we've seen so far, it seems like the roles have reversed a little bit um, at Euro 2020. But the the only thing you know on, on that is is that you know England can sort of you know scrap a one nil out of this if, if they make it a very boring, disciplined game. It's weird that England could prevail if that happens, and, and Germany might need it to be a bit more chaotic, uh, similar to the, the Portugal game. Um, you know, and Germany were great in that game, and it was really weird to see how they sort of regressed a bit last night, but, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of factors that kind of to this, you know, Thomas Muller is fit enough to start and that, you know, swings favour in Germany's, uh, swings in Germany's favour, I would say, and uh, so we'll have to see him, I mean, they have got, you know, five, six days now to sort themselves out, and, uh, if I'm, I'm an England fan, I would, I would be confident, um, but for me, I just never, ever see a way of Germany ever losing to England at all, once <laughs> again.
0: I I know what you mean. I can't visualise the scoreline in my head. And it's just, I'm just being taken back to the Iceland situation and I just... That was funny.
1: That was great.
0: That, that was not funny when I was stood in the middle of Madrid in an England shirt expecting to be celebrating the rest of my day. I had to leave the pub, take a half hour train home and go and get changed. Because I, I was, it was, oh, it was terrible. That was, I've got too many, I've got post-traumatic stress from that, I think.
1: <laughs> I, I was talking to City of Liverpool with a lot of people who suddenly had Irish, uh, Icelandic grandparents, which is great. <laughs> I <laughs>
0: love that when people decide that they're Icelandic suddenly. You know what? Um, <laughs> a lot of people did that. You're definitely right. That was quite funny at the time. But yeah, I mean, there could be a repeat of that. It wouldn't surprise me with England. Um I mean, looking at the rest of the group, Croatia, they broke Scottish hearts, knocked them out of the tournament. They won 3-1. Antonio, were you sad
2: to see Scotland out? Well, honestly, yes. Yeah, I kind of fell in love with the Scottish team and yeah. the Scottish fans. <laughs> <dance. laughs> the emotions were crazy and you could feel it even in front of the TV so much. Um, yeah, I was just very happy that they got their goal in the last game and... Um, i really I was really emotional with them, um but yeah, um I'm sad they are sad, but now you know they can focus on the next tournament, maybe yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean it's not good. they're not going to have to wait as many years, surely, so yeah, I think
2: so too all, yeah. you know it
0: all in all, p- positive for them that they'll be in a tournament sooner rather than later, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, the night definitely belonged to Luka Modric. who is was brilliant. Um, Joel, do you think he's proving once again um, another R and B reference here, but that sometimes <laughs> age is nothing but a number, especially in football.
1: Yeah, great reference. Thank um, you. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it's he's incredible. He really. I mean, he's definitely proving that, that saying right. I would say because you know, for some reason, since since lockdown, I don't think he's missed. You know, many games at all mm. with Real Madrid. And um, I, there there's a stat the other day about how many, many minutes he's played, I mean, and it's, it's ridiculous that he's, that one, he's managing to get on the pitch as, as much as he is, but also that he's still managing to produce the performances that he, that he is. Um, I know he, he's a, he was a previous Ballon d'Or winner, so it, it shouldn't be surprising, really, but it's it's just, well, now, I mean, I, the, the game itself, it's, it's so so tight and crucial. I think there's zero to win in the end, but it's one of them that. It's decided by Modric doing what he did, and it's again, it's uh, going back to the fact that you know you've got a team who's just got one player that is magic like that. They can produce that stunning moments, and it's just incredible. And you know, poor Scotland, the fact that you know they've done not much wrong in the tournaments, but you've had two of the best goals that you probably ever see scores on the pitch against them in the Czech Republic and the Croatia games. So, uh, yeah, sorry, Podrick Whelan, if you listen to this, but this one happens.
0: <laughs> I know, gutted for him and. Yeah, it is a shame, but yeah, I mean, con- congratulations to Luka Modric because he is just, like you say, phenomenal. Um, l- looking at Group A, uh, where there was e- even more drama, um, you know, Sweden and Spain are through to the next round. Spain have finally woken up, it seems, as they thrashed Slovakia 5-0. I say thrashed, they did have a little help from a few own goals. Um, it <laughs> seems like Spain have, dare I say it, It's probably wrong of me to say because they'll probably disappoint in the next game. But, you know, have they got the mojo back? I mean, Antonia, do you think this is the Spain now that we're going to see for the rest of the tournament? They've arrived, fair enough. It was against Slovakia, but still, they've arrived. They had a good performance. Or are we going to be disappointed by them?
2: Um, I would go with the disappointment, actually. (laughs) Um, I didn't give a lot on the Spanish team before the Euros, to be honest. And in the first games, they showed why. <laughs> um, of course, the game against Slovakia was amazing. Um, but yeah, I kind of think they, they won't be able to be one of the bigger, better teams. And um, mm. But yeah, now they face Croatia. And this could get really exciting, because they are not in their best shape as well. So I kind of, yeah, I'm really excited for this game. But I don't think that um, Spain will be, like, one of the top teams this tournament.
0: Yeah, I I tend to agree with you on that one. I mean, they're definitely they're definitely not doing well when it comes to penalties. I mean, Alvo Morata <laughs> missed Spain's I think their, their fifth consecutive penalty. Joel, what is it with this team and penalties? I mean, it's stressing <laughs> me out. <laughs> it's,
1: it's it's great, isn't it? I mean, just go go to shreds from you know, twelve yards out. I'm I'm not quite sure what it is. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's quite a staff that, isn't it? Um, yeah. I also just feel that like it's just. It's just poor Alvaro's fault as well. He just can't seem to catch a break, can he? Uh, You know, he's he's either great at scoring offside goals or ends up missing penalties or missed chances, and uh,
0: yeah,
1: I feel I just feel sorry for him now. (laughs) uh, What can you do?
0: I know, same, it's, uh, hopefully he can, I don't know, maybe turn things around against, maybe just get a goal or score a penalty or something, I've got my fingers crossed for him, Um, I mean Martin Dubravka, he had an absolute mare, Um, you know, punching the ball into your own net is not a good look, Um, but I mean, Antonia, we can't put all the blame just on him,
2: right? No, no, of course not, but Well, we know how it is. This is the seed everyone will remember. (laughs) Yes. It's not very uh, lucky for him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It just looked like, I don't know, he changed the sport for a second and played some volleyball there. Um, (laughs) But, no, of course not. You can't blame him for the (laughs) loss. No, definitely
0: not. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll let him off. He's not completely messed everything up. I think his other teammates are also to blame. Um, Yes. I mean, I'm Rick Laporta, he scored his first ever international goal. Big congrats to him. Um, Joel, I think it was the right decision making the move to the Spanish national team, do you?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say so, because, you know, everything get a chance um, with the French national team. And, you know, they, they, obviously they've got a lot of great centre-halves to choose from as well. I mean, uh, Dario Ibn who hasn't really even got into this squad. So, you know, it's it's just one of them that... You know, there's a lot of good players ahead of him, and uh, you know, I think you know he obviously feels quite fondly of his time, at, you know, a Flatty Club, um, and 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 I guess he, you know he seems to sort of you know feel quite strongly about about the country. So, and, and no, absolutely, and, and I think he's he's always it seems to me like a perfect Spanish central defender as well. You know, you know, quite sort of in the in the Gerard Piquet mould where he's quite strong but just very sort of classy and composed on the ball as well, and. and just seems to make sense, mean it's it's great that sort of you he has scored that his first goal now because you know a lot of Spanish fans are sort of not quite taken to the decision just yet, and because they're not quite sure about you know the rules around that, and you know sort of trying to sort of identify with Laporte. But I guess you know now he's scoring goals, maybe that will change their minds, and you know fair play to him.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm just really happy to see him, you know, playing for a nation and. Living his best life, really. Um, I mean, <laughs> Spain will be facing Croatia, as we've touched on. Um, and you've kind of already said this already, Antonio, but what what are your thoughts on the game? Because you you seem to be in the same boat as me in that I'm anticipating a very exciting match because, like you say, two good teams. Neither one is kind of fantastic at the moment. They've both got their struggles so in some ways they're kind of on a level playing field and it, it it could be an interesting one, couldn't it?
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I think too. They are kind of on the same level. They are or they could play better, but they don't. Maybe, you know, like Croatia was amazing in 2018, but played like above their level actually. But now, I don't know. I, I, I can't really say who's the favorite in this game and um, everything can happen, especially since nobody really knows what to think about those teams so far. Um, You know, as I'm from Frankfurt, I'm still a big Ante Rebic fan and maybe he will be the match winner in this game. (laughs) I've got my fingers crossed
0: for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Looking at um, the other teams in, in the group, Sweden, of course, finished at the top of the group, you know, two wins, one draw. Joel, have you been impressed by this nation so far?
1: Yeah, you know, sort of touched on before in terms of how they keep themselves disciplined and, and win games that way. But there always seems to be a nation that um, that sort of maximise their full potential and um, completing nearly every tournament. They always seem to really impress and to do that without having you know a lot of players playing at the highest you know, level. And you know, it's I know, you know this year they've had you know Dejan Kulusevski who was missed the first couple of games because he got COVID, and then he comes in you know against. Um, uh, against Poland and, and, you know, set up a couple of the goals. So, and, and got that type of player and Emil Forsberg's had a great, se- well, a decent enough season at Leipzig, without playing too many games starting every week and I think he looks fresh because of that and he seems to have really lit it up and, they, yeah, I really like them because they're just a team that's, you know, really set up really well and always seems to play above the means. I mean, um, you know, you can always get behind a team like that and, you know, they have got, you know, I guess a favourable favourable draw with Ukraine. A game that could go either way. And you know, if they win that, and you know, they come up against you know the winner of England or Germany, they have got a sort of revenge on the mind against both those teams. You know, the way the last um, last Euros went, and you know, the last World Cup went as well. Actually, you know, with England. So, um, you know, yeah, you know, fair play to Sweden. I, I'm glad to see them do quite well.
0: Me too. Um, Alexander Isak, he has been fantastic for Sweden so far. He's one of those young talents that I've really been impressed with um, in the tournament. There are rumours that Real Sociedad are kind of working overtime to make sure that they keep the player because now so many clubs are allegedly interested. I think even Real Madrid have reportedly been interested, whether it's true or not, we don't know. But... Um, Antonio do you think they'll be able to keep him or do you think the bigger clubs may swoop in with their claws and take him? (laughs)
2: Uh, Sadly I I don't think they can keep him Mm. it's you know like the bigger club mostly wins and yeah I heard that Arsenal and even as you said Real Madrid are interested Um, yeah there are not a lot of players who say no to Real Madrid (laughs) and um, also for them it would be a great deal I mean he's an amazing striker with a lot of potential but is, yeah still cheaper than I don't know Holland or Mbappé or some uh, players like this so yeah I guess if Real really is interested he will mm. end up there.
0: Yeah I'd, I'd tend to agree with you on that one like you say even uh You know, even I wouldn't say no to Real Madrid. Not that I actually can play football at all, (laughs) but a girl can dream. (laughs) You know, it it was a shame for Poland. I felt a bit bad for them because despite their valiant efforts, they bow out of the competition. Joel, were you expecting a little bit more from them, or do you think they've kind of done as best as they could? Pat them on the back. See you later.
1: Yeah. yeah, I wasn't expecting too much more from them, to be honest. Um, you know, you know, they, they have had better teams in the past couple of years, the past couple of tournaments, and not really impressed there and always seem to, to head out early. And even with, you know, possibly the best striker on the planet in terms of an num- outright number nine, you know, there's only so much he can do. And, and he, did, he did well enough yesterday against Reading. You know, he scores the goals, and okay, this is a very good chance in the first half, but you, you allow him that. Um, but yeah, I think they have probably just done probably about as much as you probably expect from Poland. And you know, they're, they're not you know, they're, some of the better players now. Are sort of getting sort of to the wrong side of their careers in terms of you know, Kamil Glick at centre off um, and there, there are still hopes there for them, like Zielinski. You know, Napoli's you know had a good couple of seasons, but doesn't seem to always do it in, in a Polish shirt for some reason. But yeah, I, I wasn't expecting a lot from them, and, and you know. In, in that group, it was always going to be you, you know Ukraine, Sweden, or Poland. Uh, sorry, uh, Sweden, Poland. It was sort of going to be battling it out to get behind Slovakia or, or Spain, and, and they just haven't quite uh, done it sadly. But yeah, sorry, uh, sorry, Robert. Well, it's time to go home.
0: Exactly. Sorry, Robert. Um, of course, you know, we'll finish things off talking about Group F, the group of death. Um, of course, they had to all go out with a bang. It was a dramatic, thrilling evening, even more thrilling when you're halfway through watching it and you have a power cut. Um, you know, watching these these teams play, I mean, we'll start with um, Portugal against France. Now, we've got to just talk about Mr Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, he has become the first European player in World Cup and European Championship history to score a combined 20 goals across the two competitions. Um, he has also, of course, equaled Ali Day's international goal-scoring record. And I'm sure it will be top of his priority list now to go beyond that. Um, Antonio, I mean, put it into context for us, just how impressive equaling the international goal-scoring record is. Do you think that this is one of his best achievements?
2: Yeah, with with Ronaldo, it's like, you think he already achieved everything there yeah. is to achieve. <laughs> and They then,
0: pull out a new record you didn't even know existed, yeah. Yeah, right,
2: right. It's like every game he plays, there's a new record. It's crazy. And then, you know, there you think he did everything, he achieved everything, and then this tournament happens and he just thinks like this. It's just, I don't know, it's no question that he's one of the best players of all time. We don't have to talk about this, but this international goal sc- goal scoring record and as you say he will probably go beyond it and not be happy with only equalizing it it's <laughs> it's more than impressive he's i would say he's just a living legend
0: <laughs> he he really is um I mean, Joel, without causing World War Three with Messi fans, um, just looking at his achievements for his nation alone, I mean, he has to go down in history, right? I mean, I, I'm thinking of another European player that has had such an impressive record and impact for their nation over so many years as well. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it?
1: It, it is, and I'm not going to draw any comparison, uh, comparisons with, with Messi because, you know, I, you know, I don't want to say me phone off. Um but <laughs> you no, know, it's it, it, is, it is like everything you just said there is completely correct, and and it's, it's you know can't really add much else to that because he's he's just remarkable, and 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 the thing is with it, it's it's led to something as well because you know he's obviously won the European Championships with with Portugal, and you know the, you know the last tournaments, and you know you know as while he's in this kind of form as well. You never know them going in further this time, whether they can do it again this time and replicate it. Um, The Belgian obviously could be a, a tough game for them, but it's it's just. It's, it's ways we've reinvented his game this year because I don't think he's necessarily had his best club season mm. at Juventus. We still scored a lot of goals, <laughs> I and mean, it's mad because I mean, you hold him to these sort of high, high demands and high comparisons because of what he's done in the past, um, and he still managed to you know, sort of continue to break records. And he's always he's now need to reinvent himself. But he has sort of become. You know, more of an outright number nine now, rather and someone who comes off to the left, um, and you know, you know, in, in fields. I and mean, he still does that to an extent at Juventus, but for Portugal he's you know, he's now becoming number nine. maybe he can have you know a, even more pro run career at the top. and he doesn't doesn't look like he's anywhere near done just yet, does he?
0: He does not. Um, I just hope he carries on and carries on, which he won't, but Again, I can dream. Um, you know, it was also a really good night for Karim Benzema. Um, he scored his first goals for his nation since 2015. Um, Antonio, were you happy to see him return to the national squad?
2: Yeah, very. He's, uh, he's also one of those players who, for a long time, didn't get the attention he deserves, mm. I think, because of playing together with Ronaldo for so long, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's amazing that he's back with the French squad and, well, he shows that that's where he belongs and yeah he's he's such an impressive uh, such an impressive striker as well and yeah it's really happy Uh, it's really nice to see him at the tournament. I agree um now now
0: Portugal will be facing Belgium it will not be an easy task whatsoever um Joel do you have any kind of concerns looking at both teams going into this fixture as to what they kind of both need to be focusing on?
1: Yeah, the weird thing with Portugal is that you've got a lot of really good attacking players um, and don't seem to, to use, you know, Fernando Santos is someone who, who's very um, conservative to an extent, where he'll play a double pivot and he's done it nearly every game. And, you know, last night he does bring Renato Sanchez in. Uh, but then he usually sort of reverts back to William Carvalho and Daneo Pereira in midfield, which... You wonder, does he need to keep doing um, in certain games? But I guess against Belgium, that I imagine he'll, he'll do that. And but it's weird because he do set up to be quite defensive and, and, and hit teams, you know, with a soccer punch on the counter attack. And but for a team that is set up that way, they're not very good defensively or don't appear to be at the moment. Um, Ruben Diaz who's obviously won Player of the Season awards in the Premier League, hasn't had a great tournament so far, and. I, I think that's going to be the area concern for Portugal because you know we, we spoke about Lukaku earlier on in the show and I think Lukaku will, will put himself on Diaz's old game and, and sense weakness and I think that's where it could be won because if Diaz can keep Lukaku out then I think you might be able to hinder Belgium uh, quite a bit. Obviously they've got players who can hit you all over the pitch and De Bruyne, Zorgen, Hazard, Eden Hazard, but I think you keep Lukaku quiet, you give yourself a really good chance and then. Obviously, down the other end, if Ronaldo's sniffing around the box at any time, he's probably going to gobble up a chance, isn't he? So, um, I I would be more concerned if I was a Portugal fan going into this, but that's going to be the battle. Lukaku, Diaz. if you keep uh, Lukaku quiet, Portugal have a chance.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, now, one thing I wanted to ask you both about um, was the penalties. There was a lot of penalties going on. Um, <laughs> Antonio, in your opinion, were they all correct and should there have been more?
2: <laughs> well first as you can imagine with Germany playing at the same time you I probably weren't focusing the <laughs> on them too much no <laughs> yeah but I think what's clear in my opinion is that the penalty for France was a joke I, I didn't see anything I don't get how the video referee didn't say anything in this case but um yeah that the the two other ones were all right for me Joel how about you
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, goalkeepers can't be punching players in the face. It's just not on. Nah, is it, really? not barely. So, uh, I've got no, no issue with that. I think the Mbappe uh, Semen uh, and Elstado one was probably a, yeah a bit issue. But I mean, it's, it's one. I think if you look at it in slow slow motion, I know the game's not played in slow motion, but in slow motion it looks more like a penalty. But I think the referee who's there uh, does love the line light a bit. So uh, you give him a chance to get into the spotlight, he'll take it, and he did. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, fair, fair enough. I, I tend to agree with you both. Um, I mean, finally talking about Portugal. Um, Jose Mourinho, because he's clearly got nothing better to do at the moment. Not like he's got to you know, sort out his, his squad for the new season or anything with his new job. No, he's got plenty of time to talk about my main man, Bruno Fernandes. And that Portugal have been playing with 10 men when he's on the pitch. Now... I'm going to try and not be biased over my love <laughs> and admiration for Bruno Fernandes because Antonio what do you make of this because I guess he's not 100% wrong because we have not seen the Manchester United Bruno Fernandes in this tournament so far have we?
2: Yeah that's true actually no he's not 100% wrong I mean it's a typical Mourinho sentence but uh, <laughs> I guess everyone knows what his point is and yeah, Fernandez kind of seems tired and uh, without any ideas. Not mm. really the player we know. Um, but, you know, in, in those kind of situations, I always think like it's only a human too and maybe he's just really doesn't have the energy and power anymore. It, exactly, it <laughs> exactly. Leave Bruno Fernandes alone. He's been carrying a Manchester United
0: <laughs> squad and he's back for a full season. He needs a rest. Um, yeah. I mean, t- talking about the Germany game, um, something I just wanted to touch on. Of course, Germany played Hungary. Um, it was pretty controversial well before kickoff, off um, You know, with it being Pride Month, I know that here at OneFootball, we are celebrating um, with lots of content on our app. Um, but, of course, unfortunately, in Hungary, they have passed some numerous anti-LGBTQ plus laws. Um, Munich's Allianz Arena wanted to kind of, you know, show their support to the LGBTQ plus community by lighting up their stadium with rainbow colours. UEFA denied this request, given the political context of the request in their opinion, and they did propose new dates. Um, So it it did not happen. I know that a lot of people had um, some opinions on this and were not happy. Um, I personally thought it was great that fans still turned out, you know, wearing the rainbow colours in the crowd. One person even running onto the pitch with a banner, um, a flag even, sorry. Um, Joel, what was your response to all of this? And and like I say, it, it was great to see people still turning up in the crowd.
1: Yeah, and it's great to see you know a lot of the, but not just Bundesliga clubs, but a lot of the German clubs you know around the country, uh, light up their stadiums yeah. in the, the, the colours of the rainbow as well, um, in response to this. And it's it's obviously a difficult one to sort of, uh, to articulate because it's you wait for a made decision there, and they made a decision with you know with the Manuel Neuer uh, situation with the rainbow on bond uh, earlier on in the week, which they went back on when they realised it was wrong to investigate, and I think they. They know that it was wrong to to do this as well, but they, they made that decision, and, and they have their reasons, and, and people obviously have their opinions on what those reasons are, and it's it's just it's it's not great. It doesn't it's not really good, great stance for them at all, and you know the people, you know, LGBTQ people, here is really sort of um, I've got this situation where they, they they can't feel comfortable enough to sort of show who they really are, so you know friends, family, and 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 people they work with, and that, and that kind of thing, and. And they need sort of representation, and and they need to see people you know support on them, and and you know having that situation there where you have you know the stadium lit up like a rainbow would, would have been great to see, and and to have you know a, a governing body, a really big governing body, sort of uh, sort of prohibit that. It's 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 really difficult to take, and and it's it it just really doesn't bode well. But I, I, what is really nice to see is that you know. Fans still took rainbow flags into it, and you see the guy w- w- with the banner as well. That that's, that's what you should be taking away from it rather than what UEFA did or decisions that UEFA made. And I also think, which is really nice to see and, and really great to see, is that you know, Leon Galeska, who, who scores the vital goal for Germany last night, holds up the, the love heart uh, signal, the love heart gesture to the hungry fans behind the goal, which is just I think quite fitting because Gresk is yeah. someone who's really spoken out about rights uh, on a lot of cases. I and mean, you know if you look over Instagram, I, I would recommend that being someone to have a look at because <laughs> um, he speaks up really well on, on a lot of big issues. And I think it's just really fitting. All this goes on and the guy who scores a goal is someone's very vocal cool about his role as a footballer. And he does that in front of those fans. It's, <laughs> it's just really brilliant to see. And I think you know, that's a, a little win for, for everyone and, and the community as well.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think it was um, it was a great response to everything that had been happening, um, and and yeah, I mean, hopefully we will see the stadium lit up eventually uh, with the rainbow colours. I mean, looking at the game, Antonio, I'll, I'll come to you. You know, with six minutes to go, Germany were effectively out of the competition. I can imagine it was pretty nerve wracking. I mean, you take us through. You know, your feelings <laughs> about this team in this tournament the game because I I don't think I'd have been in work the next
2: day if I was you I would have been too ill so <laughs> well nerve-wracking doesn't really describe it to be honest uh, I think that game cost me like three years of life <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really a pain to watch and as you said it like looking at the tournament a tournament it began with the France game and uh, it was like really bad then Portugal which, which was the Exact opposite, and you know, now this against Hungary, and then with all the discussions before what you just talked about, you just or I and a lot of other fans really wanted them to win even more because of all the uh, the political stuff in the background. Um, yeah, but lucky, luckily, it had a good ending, and um, as you just already said with Leon Goretzka when he scored and just did the heart with his hands in front of the Hungary fans it was everything had right in this moment <laughs> and yeah. it's yeah it's one of the pictures of uh, the Euros definitely it's just with his hands and the heart and the friend like looking really pissed <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly
0: yeah. um I mean and again Antonio, feel free to uh to jump in on this question but uh, I guess for you Joel what are the main Takeaways from this group stage for Germany as they head into the next round.
1: Yeah, for me, it's all just a bit mad. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's gone with this formation, which I think is is absolutely fine. And I know you know, Jogi Love has sort of had a bit of criticism for going for the three four three kind of thing and not being able to utilise his midfielders in a way that other people might want, but. I think that can work, the, the the system you're using, and it works a really good effect against Portugal, and that could be something that gives England a few problems. But they're just, just seem the team that's just not quite sure what they want to do and, and who they are just yet. But I think that's absolutely fine to be like that in the group stage as long as you get through and you have. Um so but they really the pressure is on now over the next you know five, six days to get that right before England. Um because he has to go into that and know exactly what they are trying to do and, and I think you know having Thomas Muller and, and Matt Tunnels back could, could could help them. And I think it necessarily hasn't quite worked that way so far. I think Muller's presence is always gonna be great, but um I think that, that could be pivotal. If Muller's fit enough to play against England I would swing them as the favourites. But, you know, right right now it's all a bit chaotic. It's not quite calmed down, but there's plenty of time to sort that out. It's just whether they will do or not, that's the question.
2: Exactly. Antonio. would you agree with that? Yes, I totally agree. He's uh, very right. And, you know, I think uh, what will be very important the next days is uh, what happens with um, Thomas Müller, if he can play again. Uh, Also, if Leon Goretzka can start from uh, against England, he's such an important player, and yeah, it's about this. It's about the chaos you talked about. I just <laughs> hope they they kind of manage to to get some yeah some structure in, and yeah, it's about some single players as well. Um, I don't know, Zani really was disappointing yesterday. Maybe mm. he's not an option for the England game. Maybe we can talk about Jamal Musiala. Uh, a bit earlier he's like a fresh young guy who brings Mm. some nice energy in but yeah in general I totally agree with Joel
0: (laughs) yeah Um, and I mean I'd love to say fingers crossed for Germany in the next round but I'd be lying, <laughs> but well, you know we're not going to fall I'll, out I'll about it. it.
1: Fingers, fingers crossed for Germany. Fingers crossed for Germany.
0: All right, Joel, I'll deal with you <laughs> later. We'll have to have a word. Um, but no, I mean, oh, great chatting about all of these games. And if anything, this has just got me even more excited for these round of sixteen games. Um, and I guess whatever happens, you know, some of the biggest teams, arguably, you know out of Belgium, Portugal, Croatia, Spain, France and Germany for example you know three of those teams are not going to be in the next round and hopefully it won't Mm. be England but (laughs) it's england probably won't be in it but yeah thanks to both of you for joining me and i'm sure we'll all be getting together again soon and talking more about this very entertaining competition so that's everything for today's euro 2020 podcast a big big thank you to antonia and joel for joining me and to all of you for listening as always if you do have any questions it is podcast at onefootball.com and if you want to hear more from the one football podcast make sure that you head to soundcloud spotify etc wherever you listen to all of your podcasts really to hear more from us Thank you